You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. everyone and welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter Podcast, hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And me, Taylor Shanklin, VP of Marketing at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today. And we talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we will engage in invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to help their vision become a reality. In episode number nine of the Nonprofit Chatter, we're going to talk about why it's so important to focus your nonprofit around community. In this episode, we'll be joined by our very own Taylor Shanklin and also Craig Cummins, VP of Development and Communications at Family Reach. Taylor and Craig, thanks so much for joining us on the Nonprofit Chatter. I'm really looking forward to diving into community building. How are you both doing? Doing swell. Doing fantastic. So great to hear. So before we get started, Craig, can you take a few minutes and tell us more about Family Reach? Absolutely, and and thanks for uh, New and Taylor for having me on the Nonprofit Chatter. Uh, as you said, I am the Vice President of Development and Communication at Family Reach. Family Reach is a national nonprofit based in Boston, which focuses on alleviating the financial burdens of cancer. What that means is so often when families get a diagnosis of cancer, all time and effort is focused on getting better, as it should be. What often happens, even with great insurance, the costs of treatment can be enormous. And for many families, um, it can practically wipe them out. Where Family Reach steps in is we help when things go sideways, we can help uh, with a mortgage payment, a utility bill, uh, food, when people have to make that, that choice of, well, do I buy food for my kids or do I pay for my prescription, prescription drugs? In many cases, that, that's the dire question that people have to answer. So Family Reach is there to step in. In addition to providing financial assistance, we also want to be right there with patients early on in their diagnosis to be able to help plan and hopefully prevent those financial um, burdens. We offer education and awareness. We have uh, financial navigators that can help you through the system of insurance and costs give you a sense of what could be coming down the road, as well as we have the ability to offer pro bono financial planning to really put your affairs in order so you can stave off those, those uh, financial issues. Our organization's been around for about 22 years, and it's really in the last couple of years that we've added these, what we call wraparound services, to be able to provide the services so people don't get into financial difficulty right from the start. Great. Thank you for um, giving us that info. And, you know, I'm sure in your role, you have a lot of communications with the people surrounding your organization. So my first question for you, Craig, is I'd like to hear more about, you know, building a community. Can you talk about how you've done this at your organization and what benefits the organization received from it? Uh, Absolutely. So I really, I, I really 
came upon this concept or, or recognized this concept actually in my prior role um, at the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation where I was for 10 years. And when I became head of their National Endurance Peer-to-Peer -peer Program, I, I was sort of introduced to the idea of community. Not that we necessarily recognized that it was there, but in terms of observing participants and their interaction with the organization, it became clearer to me. So let me explain what that means. So we had an endurance program that brought people, a group of people together from all different backgrounds, different walks of life together for a four month training program to prepare to go to a great destination to run a half marathon, a marathon, Ironman event, what have you. Of, the, of these people that we brought together, 95% of them had a direct connection to the mission, whether they were a patient, a, a parent, spouse, family member, a friend, to someone with one of our diseases. So they were very mission focused and very committed to finding a cure and raising funds for research. That's great, we see that all the time in, in events that we, all types of events that we, we all do. Well, through this four month training program and weekly trainings and sometimes bi-weekly bi trainings, we, we saw that people just didn't run. They started to ask questions of each other. What symptoms have you had? What doctors does your child see? What do you think of this medication? And really the training sessions became almost like a quasi support group. And over time, over those four months, you saw those relationships bond and, and grow. And then at the end of the four months, people would get on a plane, go to a great destination, meet up with other teams from other cities and, and parts of the country who have the exact same experiences. And you see relationships grow there over that long weekend of the event that had many different inspirational um, activities and, the, the, and obviously the race itself. But then the race would end, people would go home, and we really noticed that's where sort of the beauty of all this happened was those relationships didn't stop. People just didn't go back into their regular lives and, and with, their, with their regular friends and everything. They kept this group with them. They certainly the next weekend had withdrawal from not being able to go out and run together. So they would continue to run together, but they would start to do other things as well. And they weren't just talking about, you would see this on Facebook and on Instagram. They wouldn't just be having conversations about the event they did or the organization. They would have conversations about life. And over time, you then see them coming back and doing another event or maybe doing uh, a, different, a completely different event at the organization, uh, or volunteering, or going to a gala, or, and over time that would even expand and the people would, become a, would come a, be so engaged with the organization that they would um, join a board, or they would be, even become major donors. So that community formed around the event, but, but, but grew and became bigger than the event um, all centered around the organization. So, so why, why is that important? So we talk often, I know you've had it as on, on this podcast before, you've talked about conversational fundraising or relationship fundraising, that communication between the organization and the donor. Extremely important. We all need to do that. We all need to be good at that. 
But what this, in the example that I gave of community, what happened was that conversation back and forth, organization to the participant was certainly there, but we saw participants having the conversation with each other. And all, all with the backbone of the organization sort of as the facilitator of those conversations. And we found by building that communication that, and that community that people, people had a stronger relationship overall with the organization. The retention for those events were better because of it, as well as the lifetime value of, of those individuals by staying longer, contributing longer, fundraising longer. We, we, they, were, they were more valuable to the organization over time. Hey, Craig, it's Taylor. I love that you yeah. talked about how it's like you were the facilitator of creating a dialogue mm -hmm. and creating that community. Right. And it's, it's a cool example. It's one that resonates with me having also done endurance events with an organization. And, you know, this story that you're sharing takes me back to those days where we would have the trainings. We'd all be out there at the butt crack of dawn on a Saturday. <laughs> and like, oh, why am I doing this? But then you start getting into a friendship with the other participants and with the people who right. are working at the organization. And so it's like creating that space to get a dialogue going, not just between the organization and the participants or the organization and the donors, but between the participants themselves and the donors, it creates the sticky factor. That sounds like you guys right. really put it out. So I think that that, if you're listening and you're thinking about how you create that sticky factor, think about all of the things that you are currently already doing where maybe you could build that sense of community and that opportunity for dialogue similar to what you guys mm -hmm. did with that peer-to-peer -peer program. Right. And it's, and I, I, I can imagine some people listening might say, well, that's great. An endurance event brings people together because of that training. So it's easier, you know, I run a walk program and that doesn't have a training aspect. So how do you do it in a walk environment? And I think, I think while maybe not as easy and yes, the endurance sort of platform lends itself to that. I still think you can create opportunities for people to get together. Um, and it's not just, Hey, we're having our launch kickoff and we'll be doing the walk in uh, um, six weeks or six months or what have you. But I think you can create activities to bring people together and, and share and do things, fun activities. And these activities don't have to be um, focused on fundraising. Um, they can just be on getting together and just doing things together, fun activities. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we see that with people doing like virtual events with, you mm -hmm. know, you see this live stream video gaming fundraising like there's so many different ways to think about building that community that a great point it does not have to be around a training or a specific physical event people connect in lots of different ways in this virtual world now so i think it's Absolutely. about outside the box and looking at what you've got and okay how could you build more dialogue in your current right. reality we we also i also want to mention we if you're if you're familiar with trends in the peer-to-peer -peer world, you might know that endurance, for example, those numbers are down. Participation numbers are down over the last few years. It's just a natural thing that has happened. 
What we found during those down periods, our numbers were less from participants, but because of the, those that we could watch and see were very active and engaged in the community, we actually were able to see better fundraising out of them than those people that just sort of show up. They might come to a training, they go to the event, they don't really engage with their teammates, which happens, right? Not everybody tends to join this community, um, but those that did were better fundraisers, which helps you when your numbers are down, at least if you can bring in more dollars, you can, you can maintain your levels. Awesome. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, you can only, I feel like nowadays with these peer-to-peer events, um, people become emotionally connected to an organization, not because of the activities that they're hosting, but really the people that are making an effort within the organization to learn about the participants, get them involved and get them a part of this like strong community. And I feel like that's a trend um, that's emerging in the P2P space. And I think that's so important for a lot of nonprofits doing peer-to-peer fundraising to understand. Um, and going with that, that leads us to our next question. You know, it seems like, you know, everyone understands the importance of building a community, but I think the idea gets lost among a lot of organizations. Sure. Why do you think um, nonprofits overlook the gesture of building a community around their organization and how can they do better? Yeah, I, I think it's really a factor of time and resources. So, right, it's, I sometimes think if you looked up the definition of nonprofit in the, in the dictionary, you would see something that said, you know, an organization that runs very lean, right? We all tend to have very lean organizations and people sometimes have to do, play multiple roles. Um, you, you don't, I don't think there are many nonprofits out there that would say they're overstaffed by any means. So the inclination then in that case is to say, okay, we need, we need you to focus all your efforts on raising dollars, you know, and sometimes the idea of building community or, or adding activities, whatever they might be that don't have a specific fundraising component. is like, Oh, we can't spend the time on that. We have to spend on uh, um, our time and our, our, our dollars on, on doing something that's actually going to raise money. And that's in this example, I think that's short sighted in that um, building that community has, has to, to your word, Taylor, that stickiness that, that keeps people engaged and that helps people raise money. So, um, and I think if you look at it in a, you know, sort of looking at this in a, in a slightly different context, when we talk about, we look at major gifts and we look at the, the top of the pyramid and we, we utilize moves management and we have steps and activities and you know a whole cultivation plan of how we deal with these major prospects trying to get them to the point where we can make that that major ask for them this in some respects is almost like that engagement plan for your sort of your mid to low donors or supporters it's it's those touch points that keep them engaged that keep those conversation go- conversations going that keep them more engaged. And as I said early on, we noticed over time that we saw people not only continue to come back to the event, but also get involved in other parts of the organization. And we saw board chairs come out of the program and we saw major donors come out of the program. So it was the program in a sense was, were those cultivation steps to get them to the point where they were major prospects. So I think looking at it in that context is, is 
just another reason why it's why it's important. Yeah, I'll add on to that. So totally agree with you, Craig, that I think it's a matter of resources and, you know, little time, little money, all of that, right? The typical stuff mm-hmm. that we all know and, and hear and vent about <laughs> to each other when we're together <laughs> at a, like a conference or something or we talk on a podcast. Um, I'll add on to that too. I think because of that, it's a mindset where the first point of focus is often on, we got this much money we got to raise, our numbers are down, and we just got to focus on some next bright, shiny acquisition program that's going to bring a lot more people in. And we often don't give ourselves the time or the energy to take a step back and think outside the box in how building community can actually bring, it could be your next acquisition program, right? So like mm-hmm. kind of like what you said is like you end up finding major donors in it by building a community. I was reading this quote this morning and I went, I really liked it and I went and posted it on my Facebook page uh, by Gabby Bernstein. She runs a podcast and the quote is, give yourself permission to slow down you can speed up by slowing down. And when we talk about building community, it's going to take time. But it's one of those things where if you take one day a month to just start thinking about how you could do this, or you set aside 30 minutes every Friday afternoon where you don't have maybe as many phone calls or something on a Friday, and you can think about how you would begin to build a community, I think that's one of the steps in moving forward to creating something like this that can actually create the stickiness, introduce you to new major donors, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff when you have people centered around the communal aspect of things as opposed to just being so myopically focused on the dollars you have to raise. I I think that's a great point. I also think it's, and also somewhat similar to that, I think if you want to get a sense of what what can work in this area, become involved with another organization. Be a volunteer or a donor or a participant at another organization and see what what is, going back to that word sticky, what is sticky for you? What keeps you engaged? If, if it's nothing, then you know you need to add something, but often you can, you can see how somebody else does it and it, it just it sort of in a way validates the idea of building community for you yeah totally i like that you use the word engaged i like to often say engagement is the new metric that we need to all be focused mm-hmm. on not just clicks not just you know email opens not just did you give the 25 dollars but are you truly actively engaged so when we think about building community that's more focused around a metric of engagement overall in a more holistic way. No, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think that is really important to understand that the engagement of donors is probably more important and more long-term than just trying to get the dollars out of donors. So I, I like that correlation from you guys there. Um, But this leads me to my last question of 
giving our listeners today some takeaways from our, our chat. Um, Craig, can you share three practices nonprofit can add to their current strategy to begin building out a strong and well-connected community? Sure. So I think first is you have to, I, I think is looking for and being open to those opportunities to build community, whether it's an event, whether it's um, a, a teleconference about a subject, whatever, whatever that might be. Look for those opportunities to bring people together uh, centered around, and not centered specifically around fundraising or another, but just about being together. So be open to that. Uh, I think it's a mindset sort of back to what we were saying before, it's, it's almost a mindset and, and just a, a, a regular practice that you do. So I, I would say that one, first one, be open and look for those opportunities. Second, and everyone should be doing this regardless, but it's all about the mission. Any activity ties in mission, whether it's a patient story, whether it's a video, what have you, mission obviously is a binding factor for the community. It's why people are there. So always remember that. And, and third, I think it's just make, a, make the commitment. Uh, put it in, put community building activities in your action plan for your event. Spend the time and the dollars to make this happen. And if you make it a, a commitment to do that, you follow through with that, then it's just going to become natural. And that's the state you want to get in. It's just, it's just a natural way that we do business. So making a commitment and having the faith that these activities will, will pay off in the long run. Awesome. Great. Um, Taylor, from your experience, um, can you share some tips for our listeners? Yeah, sure. So loved everything that Craig said. One major thing I want to add on to that, and this kind of goes into the mindset shift and the taking the time and the space to, to slow down is, Remember that your supporters are people. They're people just like you. They want connection. So when you're thinking about how to even start the outreach for a program like this or how to build a community, maybe around, like Craig said, something that you've already got, always keep it in your, the forefront of your mind to connect on a very human, personal, and one-to-one level and then create that dialogue that one-to-one dialogue amongst the other people who are starting to join the community i think i mean some practical things that you can do that we often do and in, in working with organizations is you know really kind of sit down and look at the behaviors of your supporters whether someone is a volunteer or a donor or peer-to-peer participant, like try to figure out not just their demographic information when you're looking at, okay, well, who would we even invite into this community? But like, look at the behavioral information or data that you have on people and then start to map out a plan for communication around whatever community this is that you want to build. So you're talking to the right people about the right thing and inviting the right people into the community. So those are just a couple of kind of practical things. And again, back to Craig's point about mindset, I think just think outside the box, look at what you're already doing, 
and look for opportunities within that, knowing that you have limited resources to say, hey, we're already doing this program. Is there a way to build an online forum or something like that to get people talking on a more one-to-one -one dialogue and creating that opportunity for interaction? Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so before we close out today, I wanted to give you guys just, you know, an overview of what we talked about today and the importance of it. Um, you know, we talked so much about building a community and how crucial it is for nonprofit success because these days with the numerous amounts of nonprofits out there and all the new technologies and all the strategies, it all boils down to having a great community of supporters. And if you're not spending the time to reach out to them and connect with them and keep them loyal to your nonprofit, then they're ultimately going to find another nonprofit within the same area who's doing the same thing. Um, so I really want to highlight the importance of that. Um, and Taylor, I liked what you said just now about connecting with them on a very human and one-on-one -on -one level. I think that often gets lost in the conversation sometimes where everything becomes so automated and so generic um, that nonprofits don't realize that that's how it sounds to uh, their donors. So I really, really appreciate that. Well, that about wraps it up for today's episode. I want to thank our listeners for listening in on today's podcast and Taylor, Craig, again, it's really been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us on the Nonprofit Chatter and sharing your insights on building a community. Yeah, it's been fun, Craig. Craig, thank yeah, you for it, joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, love talking about ways we can all do our jobs better. And on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a wonderful day.